0: So I'm wondering this morning um, if you have someone in your life that you would point to and say, I am a better person because of them. And like ideally, maybe that person is sitting right next to you this morning. Like that would be sweet. Um, Maybe it's a person who used to sit next to you and they're no longer here. Maybe it's someone that you would do anything to be able to sit next to once again. Do you have someone in your life that you would point to and say, I'm a better husband, a better wife, better in my career. I'm a better follower of Jesus because this person did not give up on me. They continued to walk with me and walk beside me. I've been blessed to have um, more people like that in my life than than I deserve. But four of them uh, are part of this this pastor's covenant group uh, that, that I've been a part of for the past three years. Uh, The guys up there on that picture, um, they mean the world to me. Uh, These men have walked with me. They have challenged me. They have encouraged me. They have wept with me. Uh, I I can say that because of them, I am a better follower of Jesus, a better husband, uh, a, a better father because of how they have invested in my life. And so over the last three years, we have every single month, we've done a Zoom call together. And the point of our time together, it's not about how to become a better minister. It's not about how to be a better leader. It's all about soul care. It's about how are you in Jesus? They, they don't care about what I bring to the church, <laughs> They only care about my relationship with Christ and how am I loving my family and making sure that I don't lose my soul as I serve in ministry. And I've been concerned about that exact same thing for for them. And so we do that once a month and then twice a year we do a spiritual retreat together. Uh, And it's not because we have all this time on our hands. Um, and, you know, all of these extra resources lying around that we're going to make a commitment to this, it's because we see the value of investing in our spiritual life. And so we are very blessed to be able to do that. And so our spring retreat got um, postponed as a a lot of things in our life this past spring did. Uh, And so tomorrow we are heading out on our next retreat. And I would just humbly ask, would you pray for our group? Uh, Would you pray for me? this, This has been such an exciting season of life, uh, ministry, family, uh, but I'll tell you, this retreat's coming at a great time. And so if you could just pray for, for us as we get away and, and just challenge and encourage one another to be more like Jesus, we would really appreciate that. And I'm just wondering, like, who do you have like that in your life? Who do you have that is walking with you in the good times, but also in in the difficult times? People who make your life better, who aren't afraid of your mess. Like when life gets tough, they get closer. I believe that friends like this, they're not just gifts from God. They absolutely are a gift from God, but they also are the embodiment of his grace and his presence and his goodness in our life. They are an extension of his hands and feet, to us. And they are certainly a blessing. And, and I imagine what many of us have found in life is, is that when we walk through uncertain times, we will go further together than alone. When we walk through uncertain times, when life gets hard, when it's confusing, when we don't know what's ahead of us, we will always, always, always go further together than we would alone. You know, when we walk alone, there's a greater chance of us giving up and giving in, of throwing in the towel, just wondering, is all of this worth it? But together, we enter into this beautiful symbiotic relationship that, that is mutually beneficial, we spur one another on. When one is weak, the other comes alongside and lifts up and encourages. And then when that person is weak, the other who was strengthened by their friend comes alongside and lifts them up and encourages. And then there's just this cycle that God uses the other people in our lives to help us along the road of life. Life is better when we have people to walk through it with, especially in those uncertain times when we don't really know What's ahead. And all throughout Scripture, we see examples of this. We see people who walk further in their faith because of the friends who walked with them, friends who, who challenged them and inspired them, friends who sometimes confronted them and asked them hard questions. You know, the, the older I get, the more grateful I am for, for people in my life who are willing to ask me the difficult questions, who are willing to challenge me in a loving, graceful way on things who maybe say, hey, Sean, you know, I see something that might be a blind spot in your life, and I just wanna make sure that, that we walk through it because I don't wanna just talk about you. <laughs> I wanna talk to you. We need people like that in our life. We're grateful for them, especially those that point us back to the grace and the goodness of God. And we see examples of this all through scripture. One of the best ones is, is, is an account that we're gonna be like, there's so many that we could choose from. But today we're going to be studying the relationship between Ruth and Naomi. And to see what it can teach us about the importance and the value of walking together through this life. So if, if you have a Bible or a Bible app that you like to use, turn with me to Ruth chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, if you don't have a Bible app, man, I cannot encourage you enough. Download. There's so many versions that are out there. The, the YouVersion Bible app is fantastic. Uh, I use it regularly. And so go ahead, you can pull that out, uh, download it real quickly and pull up Ruth chapter one. And so we're in the second week of this series called Defining Moments. And we're, we're looking through Scripture to see what God might be telling us during this defining moment in the life of our church, during this transitional season in our church. Last week, we looked at Joshua chapter 1, and the message was, be strong and courageous, do not be terrified, do not be discouraged, for the Lord is with us wherever we go. And I think that's a really timely message for our church right now. If you're new to Sherwood Oaks, um, we're going through a transition. Our senior minister of over 40 years, Tom Ellsworth, uh, just retired a couple of weeks ago. And and so we're kind of navigating these new waters together. But I think that the first message that God is speaking to us is like, be strong and courageous. I've got you. I've got this. I am with you wherever you go. And as we continue this narrative, I think that what we're going to see today in our text is that God is telling us that We cannot try to walk through this alone. Like, we need one another. As we walk through uncertain times, as things around us are changing, and a lot of us feel that way, our life is changing. Maybe you're a college student and and, and you're a freshman coming in, or like, just classes and how everything operates is changing. Our culture around us is changing. Our church is changing. and In all of these uncertainties, we need one another because we will go further together than we will alone. That's why I love the mission statement of our church so much. If you've been around for a little while, hopefully you are becoming familiar with it. Our mission at Sherwood Oaks is people helping people grow generations of Christ-led influencers. It is a mission statement that is saturated with relationships from front to back. People helping people, relationships, growing generations, relationships of Christ-led influencers, relationships. There's a thread of relationship all throughout our mission and our ministry here as a church. And for us to really live that out, we must be willing to commit to one another in faith and in love, knowing that we will go further together. And we see this in our text today. In fact, in the the book of Ruth, the the word kindness is is a word that that, kind of, it it pops up five different times in, in these four chapters. And the Hebrew word means loyal love. This is an account. It's a story of commitment. It captures so well the commitment that we can make with one another through this defining moment in life. Let's look at it together. Ruth chapter one, starting in verse one. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. Hold on to that. And so a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now, right up top and in, in the beginning of verse one and two, we, we kind of catch uh, the setting of the book of Ruth. Historically, verse one tells us that it takes place in the days when the judges ruled. And if you're familiar with Jewish history, you know that these were not the glory days for the Jewish culture. In fact, Judges twenty-one twenty-five says, uh, "At that time there was no king in Israel. People did whatever they felt like doing. It was a time of chaos. It was an uncertain time." And to add to it, we also see that there is this severe famine that has struck the land. And so to kind of put that in our own terms, you know, imagine um, our, our life as it is right now, our culture as it is. We're in the middle of this global pandemic. There's social unrest. Um, people certainly in our, in our own culture do as they see fit, whatever they feel is right in their own eyes and in their own heart. And then you add to that, we're, we're coming up on an election year, which I'm sure is gonna be very peaceful and civil but maybe there's a small chance that it won't be <laughs> and then you just kind of throw right on the top of that a severe famine And that's the world that we find the story of Ruth that's their culture that's their situation And so Elimelech, he he realizes, I can't provide for my family anymore. We're literally about ready to starve to death. And so he, he uproots his family, uproots their lives, and they move to Moab. And unfortunately, life in Moab proves to be just as hard, if not worse. It says in verse three, now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah, the other Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Kilion also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. So here's Naomi, life crumbling apart around her. She lost her husband. Both of her sons have died. She's living in this foreign land that, oh, by the way, the Israelites and the Moabites were never really on the best of terms to begin with. And and so she's living in this foreign land and and, and things just kind of look bleak in her life. In fact, we even read a little bit further on in the account in verse 20. Naomi, she she requests a change of, of name she asked people to stop calling her Naomi. Naomi is a a word that means pleasant. And for most of her life, she had lived up to this name. But after everything that had happened, she told people, hey, no longer call me Naomi. Instead, call me Mara, which means bitter. Man, I imagine that a lot of us have been there in life. Things were going along just fine. It was pleasant. You know, we woke up with a smile, we went to bed looking forward to the next day, and then boom, something happens. And there's something inside of us that just feels like it dies a little bit. And we walk through and we, and we no longer have this pleasantness about us. Instead, we walk through with this, with this bitterness that, that's beginning to take root in our heart. And we see this in the life of Naomi to the point where she says, no longer call me pleasant, instead refer to me as bitter. I think that captured her situation, but I think it also was a word that captured her emotions as she walked through it. And so left with nothing, Naomi hears that the famine in Israel begins to let up. And so she decides to go back home. And she encourages her her daughters-in-law, hey, there's, there's nothing there's nothing for you in the life that I'm going to live. Go back to your parents. Go, go back to your home. Establish a new life from where you are from. And after a little bit, she's able to convince one of her daughters in law to, to go. But Ruth stays. And we see this beautiful relationship begin to unfold that, in the end, becomes a blessing to both of them. And in verse 16, Ruth makes one of the strongest commitments that we see from one person making to another in all of scripture. It's a beautiful text. Look at it with me, Ruth 1, verse 16. But Ruth replied to Naomi, as she's saying, go, go, go. Ruth replied this, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. So we see here in her, in her greatest moment of need, Ruth clings to Naomi. She makes a commitment like, I am not giving up on you. I'm going to continue to walk with you. And she essentially says, your journey equals my journey. Your home equals my home. Your people equal my people. Your God equal my God. Your future equals my future. Ruth left everything behind to walk with Naomi. And in the midst of their uncertain future, we find over the next three chapters that they go further together than they ever would have alone. It's a a fascinating account. I encourage you to read through it sometime even this week. And I'm wondering, do you have friends like that in your life? Friends who will walk with you through the good times and the bad, one of my, one of my favorite passages in, in all of scripture that captures the heart of Christian community is, is Romans chapter 12, verse 15. Paul is writing through all of these, one another's, one another's, really forming like, what does this body and spirit of Christ look like? And he says in verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. There's this idea that in the body of Christ, we should be so connected that if one rejoices, we all rejoice. If one mourns, we all mourn. There's this shared experience as being just the connectedness that we have through the unity that the spirit brings us to. And I think we all have people in our life that are right there to rejoice with us when we rejoice. Like when things are good, they're like, yeah, let's party, let's celebrate this man, it's those people that walk through life with us when times get tough, that mourn with us when we mourn. They are the ones that are truly a gift from God. The friends who stay by your side even when life gets tough. All of us need friends like that. And all of us, listen, all of us need to be a friend like that to others. It's how God made us and in our lives find a new sense of joy and fulfillment as we live out this part of how God has designed us, as we live out this part of his image inside of us. It's one of the reasons why we offer life groups at Sherwood Oaks. And to talk a little bit more about our life group ministry and ways that you can get connected, I'd like to invite Alan Burris and Maggie Mobley up to the stage with me. Can we give them a hand? Good morning. Hey, so first of all, thanks for sharing some of the preaching load with me today. I appreciate that. man. My my sermon was only three pages long this time instead of four. That's awesome. Um, So if you've been around Sherwood for a little while, you probably know Maggie. Maggie has served on staff here for um, seven years now. And just a little over a year ago became our women's minister and just knocking it, knocking it out of the park, doing a great job. Uh, But this guy over to my right, your left, may be a new face to you. Uh, This is my friend Alan Burris. And Alan came on staff back in January, January 19th. And we were going to introduce him and then something popped up. And then we're like, okay, well, we're going to introduce him. And then something popped up. And then this little thing called COVID hit and we didn't meet for four months. And so this is the first, I guess this is Alan's official introduction to Sherwood Oaks as our director of spiritual formation. Yeah. Yeah. Alan has been uh, a dear friend and a mentor for the last couple of years, um, and and I'm really just excited as he is now leading our life group ministry and Sunday school men's ministry and then um, doing everything he can to get out of Maggie's way as she leads the women's <laughs> ministry. Um, so Alan, just talk to us a little bit. like Why is it so important for us to connect in, in community?
1: It's rooted in... Uh who God is, you know, God is a community of beings that presents Himself as one, as Father, Son, and Spirit. We had a baptism at nine thirty, um, and and when we're baptized, we're baptized into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we're being baptized into all that is God, into a right relationship. And God, the Greeks consider God, they use the word perichoresis, where it's just a a divine dance of the Father, Son, and Spirit in perfect harmony that that blend together, yet there is this distinctness of the Father, Son, and Spirit. So Mm -hmm. we're baptized, we're baptized into all that, we're invited to dance with Him. It's interesting, Mm -hmm. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says that we are also baptized into the church, into the body of Christ. So... God is all about community, and he designs us to be uh, in community. And when you look at Jesus, Jesus comes to establish community. A lot of people have a low view of church. You should not have a low view of church. You should have a high view of church because Jesus came to establish that community. And so we we take church, and a large church like this, we need to break it down to where we can have more intimate relationships, and that's why we have life groups. Yeah, that's great.
0: And so, you know, community is important for everyone. It's what what we've been talking about, but I think there are are reasons why it's especially important that we take intentional steps to connect women in community. And Maggie, you do such a great job of that. Tell us why you have a heart for that and some of the ways that that you're doing that.
2: Sure. You know, I feel like you said, for, for everyone, community is important, but for women especially, We need community in a different way because I think women often are spread so thin. Mm -hmm. Lots of roles that women pour into others and so we need community then to help ourselves or help each other kind of fill our own cups, I guess, in that way. So community is important to me because I benefit from it, but I love to see women connect with each other. That's what we do in women's ministry. We connect women to God and each other. And it's just important so that we can build each other up when we need it. I was texting with several friends this week through virtual schooling and one of the girls sent me a text (laughs) that said, if you, for a survey they just did for women, they were asking women, what is their stress level on a Mm -hmm. scale of one to 10? And most women answered that their stress level was either an eight, nine or a 10. So knowing how much women carry and what their stress is all, all the time, but especially right now in the middle of what we're going through in this pandemic, we need each other. And we need to be able to encourage each other, cry to each other, pray with each other, all of these things. So we have become innovative in how we've done that in women's yeah. ministry over our time apart, When since we can't physically be together as much. This summer, we did a study called Not Alone, which was funny because we were separate. We were all on Zoom, you know, uh, virtually. But it was just this beautiful study on friendship and how in order to build community and be a good friend, you have to be vulnerable. You have to be the one to go first. If you want to be a good friend, you have to invite people in. You have to share your story. You have to offer to pray. Sometimes that's hard. Yeah. But when you make that first step, then that opens the door for other people to want to reciprocate. And that's where friendship is built and community is built. Yeah. We'll do more of those studies this fall. We have a Tuesday morning study that will offer an in-person and an online option, a Wednesday Wednesday night study that will be online here at East, a Bedford study that will be online, there's a West study that will be in person, and mom to mom will be different this year. I think that's really important right now. We usually meet on Friday mornings in person. Because of childcare and COVID and all the things, we're gonna meet Monday nights, which will allow for all the moms that are doing virtual learning or working from home, they can come on Monday nights and build that community. But really it just comes through hospitality. You know, that's what we're telling our women. You have to open the door to your house or to your back porch or invite people to meet you on the church parking lot. We have several women's groups that just come and meet in the parking lot here, socially distanced. I mean, yeah. in,
0: the, in the mornings, I'm, I'm coming into the office yeah. and I'll see a group here and uh-huh. a group there. And yes. it's just, just bring yeah, your chair we've just and find just a
2: new spread way. out. Uh-huh. So invite people in and just show that hospitality. And what I tell the women is when we are showing hospitality, we're creating space yeah. for God to build community. And he's gonna bring the people. All we have to do is provide the space yeah. and he will build that community for us. So we're, we're gonna build community through hospitality.
0: And I mean, hospitality, you you talked about it. It is opening up our home, opening up our computer, Mm -hmm. opening up our chair, but it's also like opening up our calendar, our schedule, and Mm -hmm. and really prioritizing uh, and taking that first step. being
2: intentional with your time to Mm -hmm. create that space for God to build that community.
0: Yeah, Yeah. good stuff, Maggie. Thanks. So, Alan, what are some ways that people can connect in community here?
1: There are lots of ways, and the main thing is that you connect with somebody and some bodies, and, of course, there's... The uh, serve groups, Brad, and there's yeah. those sorts of things. Uh, Maggie's ministry is amazing. She does a great job. We are re examining and retooling the ministry to men, getting ready to launch that here in the next few weeks, hopefully, having a training on Saturday. So there's that. Today, we're really kind of focused on life groups, and so we have a really Good uh group of life groups that have done really well during the COVID thing. Even those who are older, uh, who didn't know much about computers, figured out how to Zoom. And of course, you can see their ceiling fans and ceiling tiles and their great tops of their heads. Of the is great Yes but Yes, <laughs> but we but knew they were, they were there. The you know, yep, that's right. am I on? Is my? On? Is I, on? I can't hear anything. But, uh,
0: that
1: that happened to young people. I think. can't so, yes. Yeah. I'm staying out of that, Alan. <laughs> but. Uh, what we're what we're hoping to do in about a month, COVID's just rocked our world like everybody else. Is we're hoping to have uh, the time where we connect people, and so it may be a hybrid model where there's online and in-person opportunities to connect. But even today, we are uh, signing people up at a kiosk back here. But what we need ahead of all of that is we need more leaders we've got fantastic leaders nancy has done a great job and we have a great foundation of life groups but we need some more leaders and we're looking to launch some new groups that will be online and in person so i appeal to you for leaders and then second of all to uh, go ahead and sign up or be prepared to sign up about a month from now i think that's yeah. what we'll look at that's
0: great so what would you <clears throat> tell the person maggie i already even ask you, you know, what, what would you tell the person who Maybe he's on the fence about joining a group. Uh, maybe that maybe said, you know, I tried a group before and it was weird. I, I don't know that I want to try that again. I guess Meg, I'll just start briefly with you. What would what would you say to a person who's maybe on the fence?
2: I think one of the things I would say is it's such a great picture of faith because you have to just take that step, that vulnerability yeah. Yeah. we were talking about, and that's what That's what that is, is being vulnerable and putting yourself out there knowing that it could not be a good fit the first time or it may take a few tries to meet those people. You have to keep putting one foot in front of the other and showing up. And I promise that God will put you with those right people and get you that community as long as you put forth the effort on your end. He will meet you there and give you that community. So I'd say don't give up. Even if it's been hard in the past or you haven't Mm -hmm. found what you've needed yet, keep trying and you will find that space. That's a
1: good word. Alan. Yeah, um, I think it's really important to realize if you're isolated and not connected, you're really in a dangerous, vulnerable situation. Satan loves, it's in nature, right? to get to isolate someone from the pack or an animal, then that's when predators come in. Mm -hmm. The same is true in the human uh, realm that we, we've got to be together. You know, I'm part of a life group now that uh, is very diverse. Uh, we have people from Singapore, South Korea. We have a couple of ladies that may be watching today, one from Myanmar, Kai, and Kamar in Pakistan. Amazing. We even have a Patriots fan. I mean, talk about diversity. That I mean, is it, diverse. It, it, it's, it's really a diverse. <laughs> I didn't know those existed around here. You it's know, crazy. <laughs> I know another Patriots fan. Listen, when you
0: live in New England for four years, it okay. just kind of comes. I'm, okay, I'm back, I'm back we're going to pray I'm for back, you. We'll,
1: we're praying for repentance. Oh, man, okay, I can't believe you so. went there, Alan. I'm oh, sorry, I added, added him right here in front of everyone. All right. But anyway, <laughs> um, you know, it, it's it's a place where you really learn uh, how other people think, and you learn it in a personal way. It's, it's so different to just look at a view and think, eh. But then when somebody expresses it and you see them and you, you love them, you really have to rethink a lot of things. And it's, it's really a healthy thing to be in a group with people. You know, the thing is, a lot of people are afraid to do that, or maybe they've been burnt by church or even a group. Uh, don't give up on church. Don't give up on God. You know, Naomi presents herself back in Bethlehem. They say, hey, Naomi, and she says, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. And she said, I'm bitter, I'm, I'm angry at God. He took, took stuff away from me, he's afflicted me. And so that, that thing is in the background all the way through that story. And then when you get to the end of the story, the community starts calling her Naomi again. And she seems to embrace that identity once again. And it seems like God always works through community to restore people. And so he is working through this community to take her from being Mara to being Naomi again. So there's just real value in being vulnerable. It's messy. It can be ugly at times, but just presenting yourself humbly um, to other people who will humbly accept you and just work this thing out together. As Ben said a while ago, we're all flawed. We're all messed up, but together we can walk and learn and become become greater followers of Jesus. Amen.
0: Amen. Guys, thank you so much for sharing. Yep. Really appreciate your ministries and all the ways you're helping us connect. Thank wait. you. So I, as, we, as we wrap up today, I hope that what you hear from us like so badly, we want to help you connect. We, we don't want you to walk through life alone. We want you to do it with others. Um, people who will love you and walk beside you. And again, college students, like, don't miss this opportunity. We've got lunch, we want to connect with you. We want to help walk um, just with you through this season of your life as well. And the uncertain times of life and, and listen, we're all going to come across uncertain times. You may be walking through one right now. If you're not now, you're going to have one in your future. Life is uncertain but we will walk further together than alone. The Christian faith is certainly personal, but it was never meant to be private. And your life will find more joy and fulfillment as you engage in a grace filled community of believers who are being transformed through a relationship with Jesus and one another. And so today, Today could be a defining moment in your life. For some of you, today could be a day that you look back on August 23rd, 2020 as the day when everything changed because you stopped trying to do faith alone and you came alongside of, you walked with others who poured into you. You took the courageous next step to say, you know what, I think I'm interested in joining a group. You can do that today. As Alan said, Maggie said, just go right out here. um, Main doors, take a right. There'll be some kiosks. We'd love to get your contact info and help you get connected into a group. But for others, today might be a defining moment in your life because today is the day that you stopped trying to do life alone and you started walking with Jesus. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, 1.9 that, that we have been invited into this relationship with Christ by grace and we never have to walk through this life alone. Today could be the day that you experience that promise and it could be the best decision that you've ever made. Let today be the defining moment of your life as you enter into a relationship with Christ and allow him to lead and guide you and forgive your sins.